everybody, and welcome to the Gator Truth Florida Football Podcast. I'm Daniel, and today we're going to take a look at the first game of the Florida Gator season at home against the Utah Utes, kicking off at 7 p.m. on September 3rd. As discussed in our season preview, this might be the biggest home opener since 1990, when in Steve Spurrier's first game as coach, we hosted the Oklahoma State Cowboys. The weather for Saturday looks like there's a 60% chance of rain, or at least at the time of recording, with afternoon thunderstorms that will increase humidity. However, around kickoff, the temperature will be probably in the low 80s based on what I've seen, and that'll lower the impact of that humidity, so everyone hoping for the environment as far as the weather playing a big role, I don't think it's going to play as big of a role as it would if this were a noon or 3.30 kickoff. The bigger environmental factor. I believe, will be the 90,000 Gator fans who have sold out the swamp for Billy Napier's debut as coach of the Florida Gators. The Utes have never played in something with an environment like the swamp. The closest thing that the Pac-12 has to the swamp is Austin Stadium for Oregon. However, the Utes haven't played at Oregon since 2017, and most of these Utes are not six-year seniors, so they have not had the chance. The best thing that they have going for him is at least Mamu Diabate knows what it's like in the swamp as he comes in and we will get to him later. If you are joining me in the swamp for this important first game of the season, please be loud on all downs, not just when Utah lines up either. Be loud as they're trying to get their communications in, as they're trying to get the plays called, as Rising is trying to relate the play call to his line, to everyone. Hit the communication early and often. I saw a tweet on Twitter uh, this week, and it said, I'm ready to lose my hearing. And my response was, what about your voice? Because at the end of the day, okay, hearing is whatever. But if you're not using your voice in here at this game, are you doing your part? Consider it this way. When you are loud at the stadium, not only are you supporting the Gators, Not only are you impacting the offense for the University of Utah, you are making a recruiting pitch to the recruits that this is an environment that they want to come play in, that the the swamp is where they want to spend their college career. Last year against Bama, lots of recruits said, man, that was an amazing environment. Well, help lots of recruits say, this is an amazing environment, and I see what Billy Napier is putting together. I want to be a part of that. I'll go ahead and get off of my soapbox and let's get started looking at Utah. Utah is coached by Kyle Whittingham. He's in his 18th season as coach of the Utah Utes. Just to put that in perspective, he's the coach that took over Utah when Urban Meyer left Utah and came to Florida. There's lots of consistency. He is definitely a good coach. Well-prepared teams always come from Kyle Whittingham. When I say that there's not many programs I respect as much as the University of Utah, I'm not just saying that in case this podcast gets discovered by Utah fans later. I'm saying that because they have been consistent since Kyle Whittingham took over for Urban Meyer through the years in the Mountain West, and then as they transitioned to the Pac-12, to last year being their crowning achievement so far with winning the Pac-12 championship. To begin, let's take a look at the Florida offense against Utah's defense. As we talked about in the first episode of the Gator Truth Florida Football Podcast, 
The offense, I believe, will be improved at offensive line, quarterback, running back. The receiver will be about the same. I did think the tight end position will take a step back, but I could be wrong about that. Anyways, Utah defensively is replacing their top four tacklers and five of their top seven. You can go to ESPN, look at the stats, and you'll be like, hey, number four tackler is returning. For some reason, one of their cornerbacks, Brandon McKinney, has disappeared from their list of stats from last year on ESPN. However, some of the other sites do have them. So just in case you want to fact check me, that's what's going on there. Utah runs a base 4-3 defense, which is four linemen, three linebackers. They also sometimes run a nickel package where they remove a linebacker and put in an extra cornerback, which we'll talk about as we get to Utah's depth chart and what it can tell us about how the Gators match up with Utah's defense. Utah, as we talked about, is replacing quite a bit of production on defense. The big two is they're replacing both main linebackers, Devin Lloyd, who was a first-round pick for the Jacksonville Jaguars, who led the team with 111 tackles. 22 of those tackles were for loss last year. He also had eight sacks. And he led the team with four interceptions, two of which were pick sixes. Nephi Sewell, the other linebacker, had 89 tackles and an interception. And along the defensive line, they're replacing Mika Tafua, who led the team with nine and a half sacks. Why do I single out these positions? Well, it's part of their front seven. And we did talk about this a little bit during the season preview. And with the front seven, that's usually associated with run defense. Florida under Billy Napier, is going to want to establish the run. So when you see that Utah is replacing so much production in the front seven with their top sack leaders, with their top tacklers, it does lean in to Florida might be able to run the ball on this front. With that said, I do believe that Utah will still be extremely well coached. The defensive line does have two new starters. However, the returners, Van Fillinger, who's at right end, and Junior Tafuna, who's at left tackle, do have plenty of experience and did well last year. Tafuna at left tackle will be lining up against Osiris Torrent, so that'll be a matchup to watch. Their right tackle, the Putu Tau brothers, are the two deep. Both of them come in at under 300 pounds and will be lining up against 330 pound Ethan White. So that will be an interesting matchup to watch as well. The linebacking unit replaces, as we talked about, their top two linebackers. Former Florida player Mamu Diabate takes over at the middle linebacker spot. I've said before, I don't think the middle linebacker spot was his natural position. So we'll see how he does for Utah. In their secondary, They do have a 19-time starter in Clark Phillips returning at cornerback, as well as a strong safety in Cole Bishop, who last year as a true freshman played in 10 games and started six of those games. I say all that, so when I start talking about what our offense needs to do against their defense, you know, what experience Utah has and what change is coming through. There seems to be some sort of perception from what I see on Twitter and elsewhere that Utah is bringing almost their entire team from 2021, the Pac-12 champions, into the swamp. However, looking at it, that's not quite the case. I still expect Utah to be well-coached. What are some things Florida needs to do offensively, and what are some good matchups for Florida? 
going into this game to be able to come out with the win. First, we need to win the line of scrimmage. I've already talked a little bit about some of the matchups, such as Tafuna against Osiris Torrance, about the Putu Tau brothers against Ethan White. At right end, they have Van Fillinger, who had a good year last year, going up against probably our most experienced, at least at Florida, offensive lineman in Richard Garage. Their left end is kind of a question mark for Michael, Michael Tarquin, but that works out for us because Michael Tarquin should be good. But as we said in the season previews, he is the biggest question mark on this offensive line just because we've not seen as much from him. If the Florida offensive line can win the trenches, that's going to open up a running game. And of course, the running game is what Billy Napier would like to establish first. If he can establish the running game, that will open up the play-action pass. If he establishes the running game, that's going to force Utah to load the box. We're going to see a lot more one-on-one between the receivers and the defensive backs for Utah because you'll need to put guys in the box to stop the run. Let me talk about an advantage that Florida's receivers have that I haven't really heard about talked anywhere else. And I bring this up because if we're now in one-on-one because we've established the run, the best defensive back for the Utes is Clark Phillips. Clark Phillips is five foot ten. Do you want to know who he would probably get matched up against? Six foot four Justin Shorter. A six-inch difference is hard to overcome, especially on jump balls. I should also point out that in the running game, last year and years before, we've seen Justin Shorter bully SEC cornerbacks pushing them 10 yards down the field. He is 40 pounds heavier than Phillips. So if we get that one-on-one matchup, not only could Justin Shorter help in the running game, but he's also got that height that can help him win in the passing game. For this next little musing, I'm going to believe that Florida runs a little bit of three receiver sets with Ricky Pierce on the slot. So we'll look at the other cornerback position. It's five foot eleven. Travis Bruton is the first string cornerback over there. He would be matched up against six foot three Xavier Henderson. Again, it's a big size advantage for Florida. It may not seem like much, but it is something we've seen, especially for these receivers who were trained by Billy Gonzalez and Dan Mullen to block downfield. These are things that are going to end up paying dividends, even though they're not here anymore. That blocking is going to pay dividends in our running game and then potentially in our passing game. So basically comes down to this. We need to establish the run by winning in the trenches. If we can do that, then we've got advantages on the outside. We also have a guy in Ricky Pearsall with a speed who has played against the Utes defense, and he may have insights about things that worked and didn't work against the Utes last year. There are a few things that I am curious about for Florida on offense and Utah on defense. The first one being, will Florida force a running back rotation? Or if someone has a lot of success, will we keep with a hot hand? Whether that be Naquan Wright, Montreal Johnson, Lorenzo Lingard, or even ETN. Another thing I'm curious about is, will we see a lot of passing like we saw in the spring game? Or will we see it closer to the 60-40 run-pass ratio we've seen in the past? from Billy Napier at Louisiana. If we can establish the pass and it's more towards 50-50 and we can show good balance, 
that's going to make it more difficult on the Utah defense to be able to predict what's coming to know what personnel, whether they want to run their nickel personnel or their 4-3 personnel. And on that note, the last thing I'm curious about is, will we see the tempo that we've heard about on and off and what we saw a little bit of in the spring game? As we've talked about in prior episodes, if you have that tempo, then the defense doesn't have time to sub. They can get off balance. They could not line up properly because they don't know what the call is. If we see that tempo, because we've established the run, because we've established the pass, now they're not sure whether they want their nickel or 4-3 personnel. That total off balance would lead to big things for Florida, and the tempo would just increase that advantage that Florida has over the Utah defense if they are to win the trenches, if they're able to have a decent passing game, if they're able to be balanced. Obviously, that's a lot of ifs, but if you check those boxes, Florida could win this game. Moving on to the matchup of Utah's offense against Florida's defense. Utah returns a lot more starters on the offensive side of the ball because they're only replacing their center, one of their tackles, and their best receiver, Brenton Covey. As we have said in prior episodes, though, your center and one of your tackles is not what you want when you're starting on the road for your first game of the season. These are guys that are getting used to snaps. These are guys that are getting used to all sorts of timing. Now you've got the added noise, possibly confusion from the noise from the swamp. And there's chances for false starts. There's chances for bad snaps. And that's before you get to what our defense may be able to do. I am curious to what kind of line that we come out in. There's been talk of us running more of a 3-3-5, which is three uh, defensive linemen, three linebackers, and five defensive backs. Unfortunately, Florida has not released their depth chart. I'm recording this on Monday. Billy Napier said today that the depth chart will be released on Wednesday. As I record this, I'm going to be basing a lot of stuff on what we saw in the spring game, as well as some things that we've heard from fall camp. In the spring game, the starting defensive line was Gervon Dexter, Desmond Watson, and Prince Lee Man Man. These guys are going to be interesting against the Utah offensive line, who averages about 300 pounds apiece. Desmond Watson is over 400 pounds. Gervon Dexter is about 312, 315. Prince Lee Man Man is more in the 250, 260, 270-ish range. However, he did have one of the top pass rush grades in the SEC last season. Brenton Cox should be getting the nod at the outside linebacker position. For the inside, Ventrell Miller returns after being injured last year in the USF game. To be honest, I'm not sure who's going to start next to him. It could be Amari Burney. It could be Derek Wingo, Dewan Black, or true freshman Shamar James, who we've heard good things about throughout the fall. At the corner positions, Jason Marshall who had a great true freshman year last year, will start at one. I'm not sure who's starting at the opposite corner position. From what I've seen, from what I've heard, it'll either be Jalen Kimber, who transferred to us from Georgia, or it may even be true freshman Devin Moore. What would be interesting about Devin Moore as a true freshman is, A, he'd be in a long line of true freshmen who have done well at Florida as a starter in their true freshman year. but. He's also 6'3", and that's not a size you see at corner a lot. And at safety, I do believe the starters will be Trey Dean and Rashad Torrance II. 
I believe there's only one big key to this game for the defense, and that is to stop the rushing attack of Utah. Utah has a very good rushing attack. Of course, we talked about the size of Tavian Thomas, but another thing to look for is Cam Rising, the quarterback of Utah. Last year, he finished with about 500 yards rushing. If we can contain him, it would go a long way into making Utah one-dimensional. Obviously, we still have to worry about Tavian Thomas, Micah Bernard, and their other running backs. But if we can take out the rushing game from Cam Rising, that's one dimension gone. If we can take out the running game, I don't think the Utah passing game will end up being strong enough to take over the game on its own. Last year, Utah did not face a top 25 passing defense like Florida had. Now we have better coaching in the secondary. We have a better scheme. And that's going to be something I don't know if Cam Rising and company can accomplish through the air. Utah likes to rely on their um, tight ends, both in the running and passing game. Their top tight end last year led the team in receiving yards with over 600 yards. His name is Kuith or Kuth. And an interesting stat about him is he's actually smaller than Justin Shorter. Why does that matter to me? Well, when we practice against bigger tight ends, whether it's Dante Zanders, whether it's Keon Zipper, or guys like that, and now we're facing a guy who's a little bit smaller, it shouldn't make a little bit of positive difference for whoever lines up against him. However, Kincaid, their other tight end, is about traditional tight end size, 6'4", 240. If we can stop the run, perhaps then we can allow for double teams against these guys when they go out for passes, whether it's a linebacker and safety combo, or whether we're putting such as a Trevez Johnson from the nickelback position on a 6'2", 219 tight end. Again, I believe the key for the Florida defense is to shut down the run, because if they can shut down Utah's running game, it means they're not susceptible as much to a play-action pass. If they're not susceptible to the play-action pass, then that's going to slow down Utah's passing game, as well as us having good one-on-one cover guys like a Jason Marshall, like a potential Devin Moore, or even Avery Helm, and that's going to cause problems. I talked about the height differential between Utah defensive backs and Florida defensive backs. Utah, again, like Florida, likes to run some 12 personnel, one running back, two tight ends, which would leave two receivers on the field. Their two receivers, according to their depth chart, or their top two receivers, are 6'5 and 6'3. Jason Marshall is about 6'1. So again, it's a little bit different than that six-inch height difference. And if Devin Moore is the starter at 6'3, there he is with that matchup. Again, the key for Florida is to stop the Utah rushing attack and try and make them beat us with a pass. If they beat us with a pass, fine. The big question mark for Florida's defense this year is can Florida shut down the run in a way they didn't most of the time last year? And if we can at least shut down that rushing attack, it bodes well for the Gators moving forward throughout the season. I would love to talk about special teams. However, I'm not sure how Utah's going to be as far as their returning game because they lost their top returner in Covey, who did return some kicks for touchdowns last year. and. I've said, I really hope we see a difference in our special teams, or as Billy Napier calls it, our game changer unit. But until I see that, until I see us going for blocks, or I see us setting up good returns, 
I'm not going to be too excited for our return units. To review, the key really is this simple for both the offense and defense, and that is establish the line of scrimmage for the offense. It's establish the run. And if you can't establish the run, establish the pass to hopefully opening up, open up room for the run. And on defense, it's stop the run and try and make Utah beat you through the air. I'm really excited for this game. I'm excited to get back to the swamp. I'm excited to see Gator football again. I'm excited to see what Billy Napier is going to do with this team. This Saturday is just the first step in a long journey. So, what do I think about this game? What do I think of the Gators' chances? I do like Florida's size on the offensive line against the size of the Utah defensive line. And I also like our matchup against Mamu Diabate just because I do think he is out of position like we saw last year and it costs us in our rushing defense. That's not to say he's not a good player. He's definitely a smart player. I am glad for his time at UF, but I also think he's more of an outside linebacker than he is that middle linebacker position. And I think that bodes well for our rushing attack against Utah. On the defense, I'm not sure what to think of our defensive tackles, but I do like a matchup of a Gervon Dexter or a Desmond Watson against a much smaller or at least somewhat smaller Utah offensive line, as well as a princely Yumea Man or Britton Cox lining up against a tackle who it's one of their first games starting in the swamp with the crowd noise. And I think there may be a chance there for us to at least slow down Utah. Obviously, maybe not fully shut them down, but definitely slow them down. Since I believe that we can establish the run and I believe that we can do a little bit of damage slowing down the Utah offense, I do believe we can win this game. My prediction, if I had to give it, will probably be a 31-24 type game with Florida winning due to the extra factor of the crowd noise and our offensive line being able to establish the run against the Utah defense. With that said, is this a game we could lose? Definitely. Is this a game that would be a big deal if we lose? I don't believe so as long as we keep it close. What I really want to see is a show that there's a plan. I want us to compete and I want us to impress all the recruits that are going to be at the game. Whether that's a crowd creating an atmosphere that makes them want to play for the Gators or whether it's them seeing something that makes them believe that the Gators are on their way up and that they are the missing piece for that next step that the Gator program needs to take. As always, thanks for listening, everybody. If you could, share the podcast with a friend. Give us a follow on Twitter, at Gator Podcast. If you're listening on Apple, give us a review, give us a rating. And if you're listening to this audio on YouTube, give us a like, share, subscribe to our channel. Also. Check out the Gator Collective. It will help name, image, and likeness become a strength for the University of Florida. It will also help recruiting for not just football, but also basketball and other sports. Gives you exclusive player interviews, exclusive podcasts, and more, including a tailgate coming up this Friday in Gainesville. Once again, thank you everyone for listening. And as always, Go Gators! Gators!